Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Tripophobia. If you don't have it now, you will when you look it up. Please, don't look it up. Trust me. Now, let's dim the lights and erase our memory. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Mocklet. This Thanksgiving, treat yourself to what evil must taste like with the new holiday flavor of Mocklet. Welcome to The Pestle. I'm Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is a movie podcast show where we like to discuss, break down, tear apart, or build up and appreciate movies of all types and genres, as long as it's sci-fi, usually. Usually, yeah. So we're off off topic a little bit this week, right? We are, a little bit, yeah. yeah. So we're doing Sideways, which this was actually one of the first movies that got me into wine, or at least thinking about wine. Yeah. The thing that actually, I don't know if you're much of a wine drinker, but... Mm-hmm. I never cared for it until I went to uh, your mother-in-law's graduation party. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she had this amazing bottle of uh, Sauve Blanc, or uh, Sancerre, uh-huh. and it took me forever to figure out what it was even called. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was a white. I didn't like the red, and it was yeah, a white, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is wine. Oh, because you could like taste all the like a bunch of different flavors and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and it wasn't like this biting bitter thing. It was something that was smooth but not saccharine, and it was mm-hmm. it just yeah, it gave me all these interesting feelings and thoughts. And I was like, wow, this is this. Is I did cool. not know that. Yeah, oh. big formative moment for me yeah. for sure. And from yeah. there, I started trying to hunt down any bottle of Sancerre. Uh, they're not as, uh, they're not on my budget level. <laughs> <laughs> How much is a bottle of, uh, the one that I found that I wanted was like 40 or 50 bucks. And I was like, oh. I don't know if oh, I can, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not it's reachable if absurd. you like wine. Yeah. But I was like, uh, I'll wait until I'm, I want something else. And then from there I got into like salt blancs and eventually found my way into Isn't reds. Isn't kind of amazing though, that like a bottle of wine could take a long, I mean, it takes years to make one bottle of wine, whether it's shitty or good, yeah. right? And yet it's on the shelf for $7 or $15 or like a $40 bottle of wine is like, that's expensive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas like so many other things that we buy today, they're probably made like, you know, in the thousands in an hour and cost double that, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's crazy. You can go to whatever Trader Joe's and get a $3 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And especially whenever I, I think about it in terms of historically, I mean, it's better than that $3 bottle of wine. It's probably better than anything that was produced prior to a century ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. That's it, yeah, freaking definitely. crazy. That's insane. Process and. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and I really love the, uh, well, we'll get into that. But I mean, yeah, we're talking about wine. I Let me preface this whole thing with I have no idea what I'm talking about when it goes <laughs> to wine. I, I mean, I am definitely Jack in this scenario, and you're more like Miles. Yeah, if yeah. if we can, I mean, if anybody, any other human being were in this room, I would still be Jack. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, probably. But I have taken some trips to wine country, not Napa Valley, but yeah. in Texas we have Ooh, this I've really been great. To Napa. That's true, you have, so maybe you but are But I didn't Miles. appreciate it as much as you. <laughs> in Texas, we have this strip in the middle called uh, Fredericksburg. It's a little town down there where all around it, there's all these great vineyards. And I actually, one of the very first mini documentaries I ever made uh, was for a vineyard down there. And that was also one of those moments where I got to sit and talk with, you know, winemakers. And I was asking them these questions like, you know, what is it you love about wine? And I was surprised how 
much it made sense when he was like, you know what I love about wine? This is a guy who does it for a living. He does it out of his passion. He didn't think whenever he dumped all his money and begged for money to create this vineyard that it was ever going to go anywhere. But it did. And it turned out great. And he's got people on back order, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that surprised me was like, man, what I like about wine is people don't remember the bottle. They remember the experience they had when they were drinking it. Oh, wow. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Because I could probably say the same thing about my favorite foods, my favorite dish that I ever had. Yeah. It was all about that experience that went around it. And I yeah. think that's just such a interesting realization for a winemaker to have about what he's creating. He's, yeah, he's making wine, but he's also creating memories for people. Yeah. One of the, one of the best meals I ever had was on my honeymoon. I couldn't tell you what I <laughs> ate. I have no idea what I ate. Because uh, it, it was one of those, you know, like really high end, like eight course kind of like mm-hmm. all the portions are tiny kind of thing. So I have no idea what I ate, but I'll never forget it. That's amazing. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, because of where we were, you know, like in, in the situation and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a really good point. I didn't think of that. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Uh, so with that being said, uh, if you haven't seen sideways, uh, pause this episode, please go check it out and then come back and join us. Uh, this came out in 2004, yeah. I believe. So mm-hmm. you probably heard of it if you haven't, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't seen it, but yeah, definitely go pause it and then, and watch it and come back. And I think it's streaming on Hulu mm-hmm. or, you know, you can rent it on all the, you know, yeah. on all the other things or borrow my DVD. Or, or you could, you know, you know, pirate it. Don't pirate it. <laughs> Don't it pirate hurts. It. it hurts a lot more people than you think. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a lot of things and a few things. Um, definitely talk about story and cinematography. I think I'm most excited to just touch on the performances. Yeah, I don't have any agreed. Deep agreed. insight to it, but there's just. Yeah. That's what this movie is built for, Yeah, was the performances. Yeah, uh, and a quick synopsis of the film here. Two men reaching middle age with not much to show but disappointment embark on a week-long road trip through California's wine country, just as one is about to take a trip down the aisle. Directed by Alexander Payne, screenplay by Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, based on the novel by Rex Pickett, cinematography by Fidon Papa Michael, featuring Paul Giamatti as Miles, uh, Thomas Hayden Church as Jack, Virginia Madsen as Maya, Sandra O oh as Stephanie, and everybody else. Why are you so into Pinot? <laughs> I mean, it's like a thing with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a hard grape to grow, as you know, right? So it's, uh, it's thin skin, temperamental, ripens early. It's, you know, it's not a survivor like Cabernet, which can just grow anywhere and uh, thrive even when it's neglected. No, Pinot needs constant care and attention. You know, and in fact, it can only grow in these really specific little tucked away corners of the world. And, and only the most patient and nurturing of growers can do it, really. Only somebody really takes the time to understand Pino's potential can then coax it into its fullest expression. And then, I mean, oh, its flavors, they're just the most haunting and brilliant and thrilling and subtle and ancient on the planet. 
Now, I mean, you know, Cabernets can be powerful and exalting too, but they seem prosaic to me for some reason <laughs> by comparison. I don't know. What about you? What about me? I don't know. Why are you in a wine? Oh, I think I... I originally got into wine through my ex-husband. Uh -huh. You know, he had this big... sort of show-off cellar, you know? Right. But then I discovered that I had a really sharp palate. Mm -hmm. And the more I drank, the more I liked what it made me think about. Like what? Like what a fraud he was. <laughs> no, I mean, I like to think about the life of wine. Yeah. My favorite, I actually like her follow-up monologues. Oh, yeah. So much more better. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. so hot and it's, it's personal and intimate and just she absolutely delivers on it. I think his monologue speaks more to who he is as a character, Yeah. Um, which is why I picked it, uh, even though... Paul Giamatti is like amazing at whatever he does. Like he does sadness better than anyone, <sighs> right? <laughs> he's, just, got, he's got this he's kind hollow. of mopey, sad sack quality tone. But it's not like an annoying sad because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, you could pull off. It's hard to pull off sad and be and get the like the feels going. Yeah, usually it's like God, this guy's so whiny, <laughs> you know. But he just, you know, you can tell he's like defeated. That's it. Yeah. That is. And it's accompanied by this, I don't know, not malice, but this kind of sharp edged fury at any given moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's so amusing. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, one of my favorite moments in the whole film is when Jack comes back in the middle of the night naked uh, <laughs> and he tells the story to Miles and Miles starts laughing. <laughs> like, you know, he, his character does not laugh this yeah, whole movie, right? It's true. Like you, he is just, he's just like, you know, destroyed the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And this little moment he gets to, he gets to actually like let loose and he laughs hard, <laughs> like real hard. And it's just, it's this little break in the constant undertow tension that is, threaded throughout the entire film which i think like if you think about it this whole film is kind of centered on that yeah right like because otherwise there's not really a whole lot else it's just guys you know going mm -hmm. on a <clears throat> on a week-long thing trip to wine country but but without that little tension that miles has that little like he could snap at any moment <laughs> like you said then it kind of falls flat i feel like yeah yeah and he pulls that off well and it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful kind of back and forth between Jack and Miles because Jack is this yeah. happy-go-lucky, idiot, jerk, uh, selfish, conceited actor. And Miles is the, is the guy, they just happen to be college roommates, as, you know, Miles yeah. says later. <laughs> I just happen to be his freshman roommate at college. <laughs> That's so Yeah, good. And, and I love Thomas Hayden Church's, like, character. First off, I fell in love with this guy during Wings. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, just, and everybody did, yeah. uh, right? But his, like, unapologetic character in this film is so good. Like, it does not matter. Like, usually, I think in real life... If you were to, you know, like take your buddy on a, on a, you know, a week long bachelor party or whatever, but it was, you know, a tame one and your buddy was like, like, no, let's go do X or Y or whatever. I think in most cases, you know, if you pushed back and said, man, I have all these plans and stuff or whatever, he'd be like, okay, let's, 
you're planning this for me. I get it. But he did not care. Like, he's just like, no, I'm getting laid. <laughs> like, we're doing this. I'm getting you laid. And had, had like no, he just was unapologetic, right? Which was great for the character. Yeah. Right. But then in that moment, I told you my favorite scene when he, Paul Giamatti's laughing after, at the end of that, he cries so hard. He's like, and then I think that's when, that's when Miles realizes, okay, this is all a facade. This whole week has been a facade. He, what he really is like, cause he's been questioning a little bit, like whether, I mean, he's been telling him, dude, you're, you're engaged. You should get, you should follow through, you know, like you should do this. Like you we're just having this week, but you know, don't let that cloud your judgment. But at the same time, Jack hasn't given him any real sign that he loves her, that he loves his, his fiance. He's, this whole time he's just been, you know, like in search for yeah, someone to sleep with. That's, that's true too. It feels like anyway, just because just watching Miles pull his hoopty up to their huge house and walk into this mm-hmm. big place. And then as you're on the road trip with them, you definitely start to get the sense that, oh, you're just kind of a down on your look actor who uh, is trying to marry a rich chick and mm. like have a little easy. Yeah. And it's like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it and, and quickly you have that little moment, right? But then quickly, you know, when they're in the car, he's telling Miles to go into the house. Like he's being a total puss, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's back to how he normally is. <laughs> so, but you just get this little bit, this little insight that, that Thomas Hayden Church gives you of, of like, no, this is the real, like, you know, and you could take it for what it's worth. You could take it in a way of, of, dude, this is your bed. You got to lie in it. You know, you did this, this is all your fault. Or you could take it with a, he really does love her and he's, he's scared, you know, he's he's an old, he's older and he's scared of making the wrong decision, whether that's to marry her or not. And he thinks he knows that he does, but he's not sure. And then all of a sudden he realizes, Oh my God, I could lose her. And in that moment he realizes, Oh, okay. Uh, I take everything back that I, all the other bullshit that I just did in the last week, you know? Yeah. I think that's probably true. I mean, anytime in life, I think if you're pushed to the brink of losing something is Mm. the only time you really remember, you know, how to appreciate it. And it takes some people a lot. Some people have to go a lot farther than others. Yeah, that's right. I was sitting in a cubicle, you know, <laughs> right. like working on a spreadsheet. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas or, uh, Jack was, uh, you know, what did he say? Like, uh, you know, I can't, re- I'm yeah. not going to repeat what he was doing. <laughs> and that scene of, of the escaping the house is amazing just for the oh, physical yeah. comedy of it. Right. Uh, big naked guy, like penises are funny. Like mm-hmm. penises flapping around are hilarious. Yes, that is not, there's nothing like sexy about it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what one looks like besides my own. I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. You close your eyes. Yes. yes. And it's just so funny that, uh, in the juxtaposition of, I don't know, the seriousness of the moment. I mean, he's 
has nose broken and it just plays so brilliantly for yeah. a movie that's about wine, right? This is yeah. a highfalutin thing. And these mm-hmm. guys are putting on airs, especially Miles yeah. um, putting on airs and sophistication. And suddenly you have a you know a penis in his window. And it's <laughs> just, it bowls me over. And that's not humor I generally find funny, but I think there's a place for it if you know how to, how to use it. That, it's yeah. the motion in the ocean view. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, that was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, watching this is... Was it something, I assume you've seen it before. Yeah. Um, do you like this movie? Is it up your alley or is it something every once in a while it's fun? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a movie that I would go back to a lot. Um, I think, you know, maybe 10 years or so, you mm-hmm. know, or, or maybe less. Um, I could I could watch it again. I mean, it is, It's you got to settle in. Yeah. You know, I really respect it and I, I enjoyed it a lot, particularly for the performances. I think... You know, if I want to be, if I want to be emotionally charged or engaged, I would probably, you know, go more the Garden State, you know, yeah. Eternal Sunshine kind of route, you know, for that kind of thing. And I think this kind of leans in that direction, but doesn't go there on yeah. purpose. Uh-huh. It's not meant to be that kind of movie, and it's plainly obvious. Uh, the one, the main thing I think I liked about it is just the simplicity of it. Uh, there was no it doesn't feel like there was ever a shot where it was like, man, it took them a week to get that shot. You know what I mean? It was all like, Hey, this looks beautiful. Let's get this, you know, or let's have them stop here. It felt very like very just, it felt very unplanned, you know, which is cool because that's kind of the vibe you want when you have like a, a, what what do they call it? A road trip movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Which is kind of is to add to an extent they're in a car a lot. Um, but it, it just felt very simple, yeah. You know, it, it, but it still, you know, hits you in the heart and and leaning on the performances, of course. Yeah, I felt like, and I'll get into it with the uh, cinematography stuff, but it felt like they were visually representing varying levels of sobriety mm-hmm. um, through use of lenses and depth of field and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. But especially the you know the first whatever twenty thirty minutes, it is very simple and straightforward and they're really taking their time, you know, getting you there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I felt like the whole movie was very much like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You could, you could change my mind. It, no, there's very, I would say the scene that we played in the intro, mm-hmm. um, was probably one of the very few moments where they really give themselves over to an emotional quality. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything else is kind of picking up the pieces. And I think it also speaks to where they're at in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even hearing Miles go on and on, like his monologue, right, is deeply passionate about a wine. But in reality, it's it's about him. Yeah. He's describing himself yeah. uh, and how, you know, he's like a, a Pinot Noir and he needs someone to really care for him and bring out all the right circumstances or what have you. And it, what's interesting about that is my returns that monologue with her own amazing monologue that's far better and she makes her move and it's about wine being alive and peaking and and then she makes her move and i love that reveal of we're really just holding tight on their faces and then as she ends the monologue we sh- we cut in a shot of her hand on top of his yeah and we realize oh she's been working them you know this is the moment this isn't in his head this isn't her being waxing poetic about wine this is about love and we kind of 
hand, tilt up to Miles's face and he freaks out and completely blows it. And it's interesting because at that moment he goes in the bathroom and he tries to re- recover and he doesn't mm-hmm. because the evening had peaked and he waited mm-hmm. too long. Yeah. To yeah. open that bottle and up. She was, she was like trying to let him know. Yeah. This is the, this is your 61 man. A- absolutely. Right now. <laughs> and what I love about that is you fast forward, you know, 20 minutes, whatever to the second date when they're in the car and they're doing the talking. And then that one thing finally leads to another. And, um, it's on that drive home after afterwards, we start hearing this haunting tune. And I think it's calling back to his monologue, uh, because at this point, Maya's patience with him had finally let miles bloom. And that haunting tune becomes a soft melody. And it's like, she's opening him up and they're using music in this really soft, useful way that is kind of echoing who he is as a, as a wine. And I, and I'd be willing to bet that all these characters are kind of written after some type of varietal or wine or something that I have. Jack's probably Merlot. Jack's probably a Merlot. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had a Merlot. Merlot. (laughs) But this movie made sure I never wanted one. Yeah. I love that moment too. Oh, it's he's like he's like he's okay with anything, but if someone orders a fucking Merlot, I'm out of here. Loses his mind. (laughs) It's incredible. There were there were so many times I just wanted to slap him. Yeah, dude, come on, get with it, man. You know, like, oh, yeah, he really lacks obviously confidence and esteem, but also just kind of self awareness. Whenever you throw down like 800 pages on someone to, to read for your, oh, yeah. your novel. Yeah, no, he doesn't oh know God. what's going on. <laughs> totally. Uh, and I love the, the quizzing in the car whenever he's like, what'd you think of the new ending? Oh, new oh ending. that was so great. Better than so the old ending. Better. <laughs> well, maybe I thought it was different because of all the other different stuff that happened. And he's like, huh. <laughs> it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. Yeah. What'd you think? I like it. I mean, this yeah. is what turned me on to Alexander Payne, and I'm I'm always a sucker for this style of movie where it's mm-hmm. dialogue heavy and character driven, and it's all about kind of mining the depths of people. And I always get really uh, turned on by people who are experts in their field or experts at something, yeah, right, right. talking about that thing and like the educational aspect of it, the learning of it, and just the excitement. Of no matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And that's just always super interesting to me. I, you know, I made a whole video series just trying to tap into uh, people's passions and to hear them speak about what they're passionate about because it's beautiful. There, I don't think there's anything more beautiful in life than witnessing someone in their element. Mm-hmm. And I love that change in scenery. The minute that they get up to to the wine country, they both begin to show their expertise in life. And mm-hmm. obviously for Miles, it's going to be wine. But And for Jack, it's women. Like yeah. He cold reads uh, Maya before he ever oh met her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's awesome. Uh, yeah. That she's wearing a ring that's like a fake ring. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it was beautiful. And so, yeah, this is very much my kind of movie. And it doesn't bother me that, you know, there's fewer emotional moments. I, but I, I think I'm still like you in the sense that this isn't something I want to watch, you know, on an annual basis, but I'd probably like, I generally watch probably an Alexander Payne movie on an annual basis, whether it's this or the descendants. And, mm-hmm. um, I tried to watch downsizing, not a fan. Uh, yeah. That was his first big misstep to me anyway. Mm. But this, I could 
yeah, watch every, you know, few years, at least three, four years. And, and the thing that'll make me watch it is Thomas Hayden church. Yeah. He, he always makes me want to watch this movie because I'm like, man, he was just brilliant. Yeah. And you need that, that his character in this film to, to counteract miles because miles is just (laughs) such a bummer, bring everything down. (laughs) Right. But, uh, and, uh, I loved the music selections in, in this too. Like it was very playful a lot, even with his undertone of like sadness, there was playful music over it. So it really balanced it out, you know, in a lot of ways. Because it's almost mocking him. Like, yeah, like, here we go again. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, they're like wafting through life. Yeah, you that's know? it. And, and I just love how Jack calls Miles out on his bullshit the entire movie. Yes. the whole, He never lets up on him. He's like, dude, you've been... <laughs> Like, well, I wish I wish I knew it by heart. But when the even the first moment when they're in the diner after they leave his mom, mm-hmm. they stay the night at his mom's and then they they leave his mom and they go to the diner the next day. He's like, man, you've been like depressed for two years, man. And now you're like bringing me down. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, you know, normally, like, you know, if your new friend was depressed, you'd be kind of, uh, you yeah. know, like, like kind to him or something. He's not at all. He's not having it. He's, <laughs> I'm tired of this bullshit. Um, and the whole movie is just calling him out. It's great. Always. Yeah. Never lets up. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how it opens too, because you would think, oh, it's a road trip movie. Let's get on the road. And they do such a great job of establishing their character with uh, Miles being this kind of, he's irresponsible, right? He's lying about being busy and behind schedule. And he's like, oh, I'm getting up. I'm leaving. I'm walking out right now. And then he takes a shower and he goes yeah. and stops for a cup of coffee. But then he puts the responsibility on like the barista. And he's like, yeah, and it's got to be fast, man. I got to go. I'm, I'm running late. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's yeah. not that guy's fault. Blames it on non-existent traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. It's just always one extra thing. Like, oh, and he's doing like the crossword puzzle in traffic. While he's driving. Not even freeway. in traffic. He's driving. There is no traffic. Right. That's true. Not in traffic. Yeah. On the freeway doing 70. That's freaking wildly responsible. And it just kind of goes to show this is his life. And that's why he is where he is. And we're going to let you know that before we ever meet anybody else. Yeah. This guy is responsible for himself (laughs) and it's perfect. And then of course he steals from his mom. Oh God. That, that, that whole, the whole, uh, see all the scenes with his mom just broke my heart. It was, it made me real like, okay, you're going to have to pull me back in, man, because you are a jerk. Yeah. You know, not only are you showing up the day before your mom's birthday and stealing from her, but then you're leaving the next morning on her birthday before she wakes up. Like you are a shithead. Yeah. That's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Just leave that night. Like it's, it's worse. It's worse to leave the next day without saying goodbye. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like, pretty man. bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> Actually, I'm really glad you brought that up. I really don't know that he ever recovered in my eyes. Mm. You know, there was really great moments when he's talking about wine that I really liked. And then, you know, there's a felt for him when he found out his book wasn't getting published. And, and then, oh man, I really felt for him when he, at the wedding, when his ex-wife told him that he's pregnant, she's pregnant. And he, I mean, dude, his acting, oh my God, in those moments, yes, melted me. But as a character, I just, I just felt like the whole time, I think it's, I don't the, know that he recovered for me. For me, I think he does, but I think it goes more to show that 
we empathize the people that were around the most. Uh-huh. Like if he recovers first, I think by showing us how much of a, a jackass Jack is, which is why yeah. I think they called him Jack because uh-huh. he's a jackass. And it's through that comparison that we begin to empathize with him again, mm-hmm. not because he's an actual good guy, but because he's the lesser of two evils. And then maybe also because at the very end of the scene where they were eating dinner with her, with the mother, mm-hmm. she says, do you need some money? Oh, she offers yeah. him money. So, so, you know, obviously he's going to turn it down. Yeah. I'm just saying, I hopefully, <laughs> uh, but she would have given him money. But that, I think that that is an homage to, or uh, just a reference to like, like, okay, we're going to make him feel shittier than he already (laughs) feels, you know, and let you know that he feels shitty now. Like he felt crappy while he was doing it and you see all the pictures and he's just standing there like totally defeated. And then she offers it to him after he stole it. That's a good point because we recognize he's definitely not happy about what he's doing. Yeah. He has a sense of morality, but he does it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the, it's the, pool that I think we all feel at times in life, like the, the moral choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is good to see him in conflict, even if we're like, Oh, you jerk. You, yeah. you knew you did the wrong thing, but at least he knows he's doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Some That's people true. are just like, eh, it's my mom. She's fine. That's true. But, yeah. You're, right. you're um, right. Seeing that conflict is good. I love that the plans are constantly delayed or derailed uh, throughout the film. He's always running late, stops to see his mom, which they weren't even supposed to do in the first place. And even getting back is kind of this trip of, are we ever going to leave? No, we're never going to leave. Oh, crap. We have to leave because you screwed it up. And now we have to wreck your car. Like All of it is just a constant derailment, which is, I think, the epitome of any good road trip movie. No road trip movie ever goes to plan. Um, that would be a disaster. God, I loved <laughs> Ironically. It. I loved the first time I saw this, the scene of, of Jack driving into the tree. Yeah. It's so I dinky. loved that. It's yeah. It's just like really slowly, maybe five miles an hour. Just dink. It's like, what are you doing? It's so good. It's perfect. It's so good. And then he's like, we got to do it worse. And then yeah. misses the tree altogether. <laughs> They're just sitting there watching it drive over. Yeah. Well, it was just, it was, I just did not expect yeah. that to happen. Driving into a tree. <laughs> first time. Perfect. Yeah. And so just to dip into the cinematography, the, they seem to always have this kind of hazy glow around all the, the highlights mm-hmm. and it created this very soft, I don't know, like almost like you're watching everything through an empty wine bottle. I think that's what they were going for. And I mean, achieving that effect isn't too hard. There's these filters you can throw on your lens, sometimes in front of it, uh, sometimes behind it, maybe a fishnet stocking, all these little tips and tricks you can get this hazy glow out of your scene from. But I think the, the idea behind it is more important, which I think they were, because it's a movie about wine, they wanted to give this kind of wine-like effect. And as the, they start so they start with an empty bottle because we're sober and everything's really unstyled and we have this deep depth of field and these wider angles and so it's very reality based it's almost less than reality it's it sucks (laughs) yeah it's drab um and so with that we're seeing how they live in the world how they operate and how they move throughout the world it's becomes more interesting using that selective use of shallow depth of field, uh, that blurry stuff, uh, depth of field, of course, is how much of your scene, how much of your shot is within focus. If it's not in focus, it's blurry. And the more out of focus it is, the more you get those beautiful round bokeh 
things, shapes in the background. And it's at dinner with Maya and Stephanie that we begin to move into this very shallow depth because Miles gets drunk. Mm-hmm. And this is perfect. And we begin to isolate him through the shallow depth of field. He becomes like we use these longer lenses and they're narrow and they're in their field uh, viewing angle. And so it's just really him. And it's because he's withdrawing from the dinner as he's thinking about his ex. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, he goes and calls her and it's perfect um, because it's also good visual representation of him being drunk. Right. The world is getting blurry. And so it just kind of goes hand in hand. It's very, very smart cinematography. Mm-hmm. And when after he comes back from the phone call and the girls leave the table, I think it's interesting, too, because we break the 180 degree rule at that point. And that is just a general idea of whenever you're shooting a scene, there's this imaginary line that you're running through the room that you never want the camera to cross over. And so whenever you do break it, you do it with intention. And it's usually because we're going to see the world from a different viewpoint now. And so now we're seeing a different side of the room itself. And that gives us feeling this emotion of change. And we're seeing something more, more is being revealed to us. And it's at that point that they kind of break character with each other because the girls are no longer there. And that's when Mm -hmm. Jack starts getting in his butt. He's like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) Get your shit together, man. Yeah. And it's perfect. It shows what they're really thinking about. And then as soon as the women return, we go back to the original uh, line and we get right back across. That's that's really smart use of it. Yeah, it's smart. It's really intelligent. After that, we kind of start getting uh, more into bigger depth, but as far as cinematography goes, I love whenever we're on the couch with Maya and Miles, uh, we go shallow again because now they're beginning to isolate them together and we're starting to put them as an item together for the first time. And I think that's really cool because emotionally that's where the audience wants him to go. We're like, dude, you need to be connecting with her. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating us that he's not because she's gorgeous. She's intelligent and she is everything that he is really needing. And she's attracted to him, which is, you know, kind of the most surprising part of it all. It's yeah, like, right. dude, you have no idea what you're missing out on right now. Mm-hmm. And from a cinematography level, I love that scene you were talking about earlier, whenever he gets rejected from the book deal mm. um, and he's on oh, the yeah. phone and he's in the back of the, uh, the wine house And I love it because while he's on the phone, he's walking towards these huge wine tankers and he hangs up and immediately he goes and tries to get tanked like he's trying to get Mm -hmm. drunk. It's like emotionally, that's where he's at. He's just ready to give up. And of course, he has a fight with the bartender and he tries Mm -hmm. to drink. Well, he drinks out of the jar. So (laughs) gross. I, I, I said out loud, oh, when I saw that, <laughs> I forgot disgusting. about it. Oh, it's perfect because I don't know those scenes where you can invoke any emotion or any reaction out of the audience within the realm of reason. I've seen movies do it the wrong way, but for the most part, if you can get me to react, at least I'm engaging with your film yeah, and I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm invested. And that's one of those amazingly smart ideas. Have them drink out of everyone's drink. <laughs> So they spat out. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> but going into performances, I loved all the body language in the mm. in the film. Like whenever there's so much physical acting throughout the throughout the movie. Whenever they pull over and Miles grabs the bottle of wine, he's running and he's trying to drink it. And we have this wide shot of him running down the hill and Jack chasing him. Yeah. And he's overplaying it, you know, technically. But because he's in this really, really wide shot, 
He has to. It's like you're on a stage and you're trying to play to the back of the room. Mm -hmm. Like you have to overdo things. And if you were to just kind of study him and what he's doing and think about recreating those motions with your body, you're like, yeah, he is like really, really overplaying it. But it's freaking hysterical because he understands the frame. He understands what he's playing to and the uh, the emotional re- reaction he's trying to get out of the audience. You know, the laughter. Yeah. Um, and he's just kind of pumping his arms and legs. And he's so just, good. The bottle is flailing around. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. Also love going back to that scene of Maya and Miles on the couch drinking wine. Their body language with each other is fan freaking tastic because mm-hmm. her body language is completely open to and she's turned towards him and she's giving him all these uh, subconscious signals that like i'm interested in you and if you look at miles he's completely closed off he's not turned towards her he's slumping he's unconfident he's like you can just feel him saying what am i even doing here yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't be into me anyway like all those things that we feel out of him are largely because of his body language Mm -hmm. and of course you know his tone and the dialogue all plays of course but he as an actor was able to get into the character i think using those physical cues of well this is how he feels and i'm going to play into that yeah and i think as a human it also reminds us you know confidence sometimes can be faked through your body language (laughs) definitely yeah absolutely stand up tall stand up straight and fake it till you make it fake it till you make it I love, like you said a minute ago, Miles hearing the news of his mm. ex-wife being pregnant because he's just smiling right there and it just freezes in place and it's perfectly devastating because I always think of reaction whenever you're sad, when you're devastated, it doesn't always look like devastation. Yeah. It's like you're doing a bad job of playing it off. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just news catches us so off guard that we have inappropriate reactions. Like, oh, definitely. I remember I was like six years old and I remember hearing the news that my great grandmother had just died. And I walked in, my mom calls me into the kitchen, the whole family sitting in the kitchen and my sisters, uh, my mom tells me, Hey, you know, your granny died. And, and I remember I looked at her and I looked at my sister and I laughed and I yeah. smiled. Yeah. Then I cried. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just boom, boom, boom. I was like, I wasn't used to this feeling like, oh, yeah. this feels so like a movie. This isn't a movie. My grandma's side. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's just this weird, surreal thing that people go through when they're hearing things they're not used to hearing yeah. or experiencing something. And I think his execution of that is so human, humanistic. It, it's almost involuntary. I don't know how he got there, but it's amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, I mean, he's... I would be interested to find out like his style of acting, whatever that, that is, you know? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it method? Yeah. I don't, it it doesn't seem like it's like method. It doesn't. It seems like it's, it's just studying uh, the character. I'm building a profile of him in my head and what's happening in this moment. Yeah. I mean, let me react. I I feel like I'm of the camp of, Especially when you're talking about like, trying to get a a, sh- a straight up emotion, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one thing to deliver lines, that's that's one level. But also, but to get a sadness emotion without looking sad, yeah, you know, like I think that the stuff like that, it feels like Paul Giamatti is the kind of like he can put himself into that role. Like, okay, okay, I'm Miles, but I'm also me and that's okay to, in, you know, like how would I react 
you know, it's not just how would Miles react. It's also how would I react? And he's able to put a little bit of that in there to, to just to maybe get it going, right. To get the feel right. And then he can fully pull the miles in and like, okay, now miles is, is, is reacting or lack of reacting or, or however, I don't know. I don't know. What do I, you think? No, I completely agree with that. I've, one of my first acting coaches was like, yeah, every, every role should have a little bit of you in there. Right. It has to, it has to, if you've never been sad, you cannot play a sad role, <laughs> right? If you've never been happy, it, it's going to be hard to act happy, you know? So yeah. there's, there's something. There's these fundamental emotions that we've all experienced. Maybe you need to take it in a different direction or experience it through someone's eyes. But yeah, you can take that into any role and play any character. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a sociopath, but I could play a sociopath yeah. because I understand what it means to detach myself from reality or the moment. And I can start to build around those those similarities and those connections and yeah yeah it's the it's the feelings that you have like you've never driven into oncoming traffic but i'm sure you've probably it's probably entered your mind you know Mm -hmm. and and i think that we've all thought like like i hate that son of a yeah you know like you've you've all had like impure thoughts at times and so you can probably tap into something that you know is there that you've suppressed probably most of your life (laughs) if you need to play a sociopath or something that's right but uh but yeah i feel like that's the kind of actor he is and i love those kinds of actors like method i i i I get it i I really do and in some cases um i think that it's it's necessary you know like in some cases Mm -hmm. i think very few you know maybe one every five ten years yeah. You know, like that kind of rare. Yeah. You know? Daniel Day-Lewis doing a movie. Daniel rare. Day-Lewis. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, there will be blood. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, but not every Daniel Day-Lewis needs to be, movie needs to be that way. Lincoln did not need to be no. method. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's per role and it's rare. Um, and so in most cases, I respond best to actors that do that, that I can see like I don't see Paul Giamatti, right? I see Miles the whole time. But if I really pay attention to the undercurrent that he's trying to bring, you can you can sense the moments where you feel like there's the human being in that, not just the character. Yeah. You know? And that's that's so awesome. It is right? really cool. And what's funny is there is no one right, right way, of course. Like, oh yeah, there's course. a thousand ways that you can play any character or any moment. And one of my favorites is to remind myself, Melissa Leo. Uh, she's not method. She's she's not anything. She's, she's nothing. Like, yes. She just she shows up. What's what am I trying to get at? All right, well let's play that emotion. Yeah. And she does it, and she's just freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what tools she has in her tool belt, but she doesn't care about them apparently. Like, yeah. She just. Excellent practice. Some people, can, some people can do that. Some people can do that. Not very many. Yeah, I probably am not one of those. Yeah. I also love Miles gets the message from Maya, right? Um, at the end, whenever yeah. he listens to the, the, the voice recording and his response is so antithetical to everything in his life up to this point. If we think about the beginning, the delays, the lies, the waiting, the side trips, the derailments. What does he do? He dresses up mm-hmm. and he drives immediately to go see her. He wastes no time, no delays, no stalling. And he he finds his confidence because 
throughout the movie too, I think his wardrobe is a sign of how he feels. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's very schleppy and, uh, dumpy. And here he's in this badass buttoned up, uh, shirt and slacks and he looks sharp and he knocks on the door and I love that we cut there. Cause yeah, that was his moment. That was his time. He's figured it out. He's been bailing on life up to this point. Yeah. That's the whole story. That is, is him knocking on it on her door. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to end it. It really is. Definitely. So yeah, I loved it. I'm, I don't know. I would probably give this like an eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I would, I would probably give it a seven just for lack of watch rewatchability. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a 7.5, but yeah, I would, I would a solid seven. That's fair. For sure. No, no, very for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, I think what gives it for me that extra little notch, cause I'm close there too. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm between a seven and eight, but I lean towards eight because I think the character writing and this maybe goes more towards the novel than anything that did in the movie itself. But I think the character work behind all the intentions, it's just interesting to fall in love with two complete assholes <laughs> in two totally different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And the, the only good people we meet in the film are the women they screw over, uh-huh. you know? Wow. Yeah. And we empathize with them, but at the same time we're, we're frustrated with our guys, but yeah, I'm I don't know for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. How odd That's, it really is. And I just, I really admire the ability to keep kind of bringing me back to them because Jack is just charming. He's doing to us what he does to all the women in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I guess to some extent, so is miles because he's kind of this Venus flytrap where he just kind of pulls you in with his, a soggy bottomless pit of despair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I think that's a really cool feat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I was intrigued with, with like, what is it going to take for this character <laughs> to grow a pair? And, to, you know, and it's, it's also like, like she, if she hadn't had, if they hadn't had that wine connection, I don't think that it would have, Yeah, you know, like she could have been perfect in every way, but if she wasn't into wine, I don't think that it would have worked, honestly, because he needed that to know that that they had something more, right? Something mm-hmm. more than she's a beautiful face, something more than she's attracted to me, something more than than she's just cool and easy to talk to. Well, you know, he's so passionate about this thing that if she's not, then there's there's an imbalance there. And so it might not have felt the same at the end, you know, and listening to her message and seeing him through her eyes was really cool. Uh huh. Oh yeah. That what? Yeah. She's like, did you really go through all that? And she's, yes, because we don't really, I mean, other than him being divorced, we don't really know everything he went through. When when did he mention something about a suicide or his dad's suicide? Yeah. Because she's discussing, asking him about the book and she's like, you know, you're, it's really crazy what you went through. Cause he sets it up whenever he's describing the book to her. Yeah. Um, and he's saying this, you know, it's semi autobiographical and, and she's commenting on the, that answer machine. She's like the ending, you know, did he kill himself? Did he, oh, right. did he go yeah. through with the suicide? Did That's he not? Right. That's, it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it's, it's a great point. Cause then all of a sudden he has this so much more depth this whole yeah. time. He's been so sad but shallow at the same time yeah. like it's, as a character right? it's like I don't know anything about you other than that you love wine and you're divorced and sad 
that's all I know. Yeah. And I like, I don't even know, do we, does he even mention what he does for a living? Oh, he's a teacher only because we oh, see yeah, him teaching. That's right. He's a teacher. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and just at the end, the very end, the last things that we hear all of a sudden gives him this huge amount of depth. Yeah. Uh, his sadness, a huge amount of depth. Yeah. So it's like it, it reinforces how he's been the whole movie, but at the very end, that's actually really, really smart. Okay, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Any, any, any other thoughts? Uh, no, no. Really cool. fun movie. Uh, it's great. I, the acting is top notch, man. Yeah, I love it. Badass. Who recommended this, by the way? Uh, somebody from work. Very cool. Yeah. yeah well, buddy thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. Good call. Uh, what are you recommending this week? Oh, okay. A movie that came out the same year, 2004, Ooh. Anchorman. Because <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Wait, are you just saying that? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have a lamp on this desk, so uh, I really Must be true. love the lamp. No, there's been like over the last I don't know four or five days. There's been three or four different scenarios where I've quoted Anchorman or somebody else has quoted Anchorman. So uh, top of mind. Yeah, definitely top of mind. <laughs> yeah, it's a great film. Oh Dude, my gosh, nails it. Yeah. I man, I went back and forth because there's another food movie that I really love called The Hundred Foot Journey, and it's kind of this drama about an Indian kid who uh, moves to France and he has to kind of wow French chefs, and it's mm-hmm. really good. But then I realized there's another wine movie that I really love, and it's totally rewatchable, more rewatchable than Sideways, which is called Bottle Shock, mm. and it has Chris Pine, Hans Gruber. What Alan Rickman, oh, okay, um, yeah. and it's fantastic. It's one of those movies that I think will catch you by surprise. It's set in the seventies or sixties or something like that, and Bill Pullman's in it. It's fantastic. It's one of those very easy watches. Um, I wouldn't say it's very deep, but I mean it's not shallow, but it's not sideways mm-hmm. in terms of character depth. But it's interesting. It's fun, and if you like wine and seeing people passionate about wine, I think, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So stay tuned for next week. We dive into the first, the Terminator. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Nice. Uh, that's a listener request from my buddy, Steve shout out. Um, don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note saying if you'd like us to talk about a film or any particular topic that you want us to do a deep dive in. Um, I'm sure there's like in sideways, all kinds of interesting things you're doing with color that I just didn't pick up on. So sometimes if y'all like a specific thought, Hey, think more about themes or whatever that kind of regrounds me to watch a movie with those things in mind. And maybe we can learn something new. Um, that's what I love doing about this, man. I yeah, love, right? That's the point. Yeah, 100%. Um, if you want to comment on this episode, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash sideways. Uh, and we are going to leave you with a quote of the day by Heraclitus? Heraclitus? <laughs> Where's my wife? I need my wife. I know. Uh, Heraclitus? We're the best at names. <laughs> it's ancient uh, Greek. Uh, all right. Heraclitus. Sure. Uh, Heraclitus. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is better to hide ignorance, but it is hard to do this when we relax over wine. I was hunting for a good wine quote. I was debating. I didn't really have a strong idea of theme on this one. And so I found just tons and tons of wine quotes, but I like this one because it goes 
to something that you and I say a lot, which is being drunk doesn't, you know, make you do stupid things. Being drunk reveals what you really feel and think. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it's liquid courage. All of a sudden, you, you don't mind saying the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not to say it doesn't lower your inhibitions and you can't do stupid things. Sure. But I think more often than not, it's, it's just kind of taking down your guard and you're revealing who you really are. Yeah. I mean, if you get drunk and fight with somebody, it was probably coming. Yeah. You probably already had it in you, yeah. you know? So, anyway, yeah, good quote, man. Thanks, man. I like it. Uh, yeah, so join us next week, Terminator. I'm very much looking forward to this. It's Same. been a while since I've watched the the first one. The second one was good too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is strange because sequel. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, join us next week and please share this, uh, share the podcast with your friends. Tell everybody about it that you can. We we love getting submissions from you guys and reviews and 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 messages. So please keep those coming. Uh, until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Mm-hmm.